The Director General of the Pacific Community says accessing climate finance remains a challenge in the Pacific. The Pacific Community, or SPC, is the region's premier international development organization owned and governed by 27 Pacific countries and territories. Dr. Stuart Minchin told RNZ Pacific's Muera Tulapatela that it has a division of climate change and environmental sustainability that works specifically to help countries with climate finance because it's such a complex process. One of the challenges countries in our region face is actually accessing uh, climate finance through mechanisms like the Green Climate Fund or the Adaptation Fund. So we actually provide a a service for our members where we assist them with the application process and and all of the hoops that they've got to jump through to access climate finance. As well as that, um, uh, across our whole portfolio, not just in our climate change division, division but in our fisheries and uh, marine ecosystems division, in our agriculture division, um, and uh, uh, even public health and, and, uh, and other areas, we're actively working on climate change projects. A, a great example out of... Um, the COP26 20, uh, was the, uh, you, you may have seen this in the news, the news about uh, Pacific tuna uh, moving in response to climate change and the patterns of um, uh, the, the tuna uh, aggregations actually moving out of uh, what are exclusive economic zones of Pacific countries and into international waters in the future in response to climate change and the impacts that that will have on uh, royalties and income to Pacific nations is very important. So that uh, was critical work. It was published in Nature Sustainability and it was released around the uh, COP26 process and it was done by our scientists. So um, SPC does uh, really... Uh, critical work in all of these these areas in the agriculture space where um, uh, we we manage the, uh, uh, the, um, the the seed bank effectively for Pacific crops uh, which is based in um, in Fiji and uh, that allows us to uh, keep track of and and, and provide um, uh, um, seedlings and 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 seeds um, to allow recovery when when there are cyclones and 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 disasters that occur so for example with the recent tonga um, uh, volcano and tsunami we were able to provide uh, immediately a hundred thousand dollars worth of seeds directly to tonga to allow them to immediately replant and uh, and um, support their food system uh, getting back on its feet straight after the uh, the the disaster i was just thinking actually as you're saying it, because um, obviously Samoa and American Samoa were hit by a tyro blight a couple mm. of years ago in the 90s, from when we, after one of the cyclones. So obviously they would have benefited from a project like this. Absolutely. So uh, CPACT, which is at this facility that uh, is, as, is our effectively genetic um, um, library of, of crops and, and trees, is actually the, uh, the largest taro um, uh, repository for, for, for taro um, uh, genetic resources in, in, the, in, in the world. And we've even used that to reseed and send material back to, over to Africa where it's uh, actively grown because we're seen as the um, uh, you know the global centre for tarot in, in that sense, and I, I guess COVID would have put a little bit of a pause on some of the projects in the region. COVID uh, had a real impact, of course. Um, 
in some ways there were some aspects of projects that were unable to be done without the travel that, that was there but we were actually able to innovate and uh, and in some ways uh, we've found ways to achieve more with other aspects of the project so a great example is we run uh, many training courses that we've traditionally uh, for capacity building in the region Traditionally, we would fly people in. Uh, they would you know, sit physically in a room, and you might reach 30 people in a, in a training course. But by moving those to online training, we've been able to, um, you know, tackle 200 or 250 people because they don't have to do the physical travel anymore, and they can sit in their own ministry in their own country and still uh, access this this knowledge. So, uh, it hasn't been a complete disaster. It's been actually um, uh, we've been able to adjust and be nimble and um, actually still achieve the outcomes that, that we're looking for for most projects. There are of course examples where we've had to delay and and, and put things off, but we've been uh, remarkably effective in in uh, in finding innovative ways to to work around the, um, the COVID problem. And now that it's opening back up, there's more opportunity to now uh, deliver on those things that have been delayed, so that, that require physical presence. Yeah, and I guess because SPC obviously been in the region for now for 75 years, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the projects obviously which initially started off there would have changed so much. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting history. One of the things we're doing this year in our 75th year is we're going to do some... Um, uh, um, analysis of what SBC has achieved over that entire 75-year history because there'll be things that we did 20 or 25 or 30 years ago that are having a direct impact today on uh, Pacific nations because um, it may be the education support that we provided back there. Um, we, a- we actually find that many of the, um, uh, the politicians in the region have uh, either been directly impacted by SBC through training or, or uh, development or they've worked for us in many cases. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, the footprint that SBC has in this region should, is hard to, to, to overestimate because it, um, uh, we've been around for so long, uh, we've done critical programs.